Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 67, girls. How are you guys doing and what is up? <laughs> Hello. I'm doing well. Yeah. I feel like whenever you ask me how I'm doing, I always default to the weather because <laughs> I am either really cold or really hot. And today I'm really hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to formally apologize to everybody out there because our we actually took January off because... Um, there was a lot going on yeah. with uh, uh-huh. adoptive family that yes. Kristen had. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I weirdly got sick with pneumonia and um, yeah. so we decided to take January off and we only mentioned it on Facebook uh, therefore we didn't mention it on in recordings or on Instagram or any of the other social medias and I apologize for mm-hmm. that but I think it'll be a tradition to take January off just because you have to work on adoptive family just the the uh Time that I need to decompress after December mm-hmm. at the shop, and yes, adoptive family and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, doing thank you notes in January. It is a lot, but we did do some cool stuff, Comadres mm-hmm. uh, Comics related. So it wasn't yeah. like we were just completely off um, uh-huh. the radar. But I'm definitely excited to be back and get started to record. In case you all thought we were just vagando around in the streets, <laughs> or something. no, we, we we did some stuff. We yeah. had the quince. Uh, celebration release party. That's right. Yeah. That, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. A lot of great people came down from Modesto. Yes. Yeah. That was really cool. Uh, th- uh, Dr. Teresa Rojas came down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she came down and for the first time she um, mentioned to us that she read, or not read, she listened to the episode where we talked about her chapbook mm-hmm. and she talked about how it was just so emotional f- to hear what we had to say <laughs> and how it affected us and I think that actually was the episode that literally was called Everybody Cries. Yes. <laughs> yes. Most Everybody definitely. did cry. And she that said episode. that she was crying listening to it. So that was really awesome mm-hmm. to hear that kind of feedback. But um, also shout out to um, Teresa Rojas, Dr. Teresa Rojas, for oh. creating the study guide for the Quince Definitive Hardcover yeah. Edition, yeah. Bilingual Hardcover Edition. Yes. And oh. it's such a nice hardcover. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. And just the, the letters in the beginning of the book, they're just, it's really great. We missed Javier. Um, he didn't come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had yeah. a he had a convention. He was yeah. yeah he, he was, was in Vegas. Right. He was raising mm. money for the Latino Comics Expo. Oh, yes. Okay. He was at the um, animated um, event that they do Dude, every year Vegas. to raise money. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say it's because no los quiere. <laughs> <laughs> no los quiere. <laughs> but but yeah, no. I that guess. event was awesome, and we we did uh, Las Pláticas with Sebastian yes. Kidlegic, and I mm-hmm. hope you l- l- listen to that episode because it's so amazing. Um, I was really sorry not to be able to talk so much because I was really sick, <laughs> but I enjoyed it a great deal, and I hope you guys did too. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure many of you have noticed that we have some new intro music, yes. and that is all thanks to Eric Pepper Rivera. He uh, worked on it for us, and so this is us saying thank you very much. We really like it, and I hope you guys really like it as well. Yes, if you totally love it, don't remember he's like a Renaissance dude oh, that totally. does 
all the things. He wrote his his comic. He drew his comic. He colored his comic. Um, assuming he lettered it. Um, but he also does um, music and mm-hmm. is super, super talented on all fronts. So um, he was just so gracious to be able to help us out on this and we will definitely be giving props to him um, over and over and over again for that amazing intro and outro music. Yeah, yes. definitely. And he also did the audio version of his um, his comic Cat Boys. Yeah, that's so, right. And that was really and created great. Created yes. uh, actual like um, music specifically for it, like yeah. just yeah. from scratch. Yeah, it was really great. I listened to it. I just yeah, couldn't I get did enough. too. I it was did really too. Great. Yeah. So thank you so much for that intro. It's, I love it. It's just amazing. Thank you so much. And now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Who has the chisme today? Who do you think always <laughs> has the chisme? All right. It's me, your girl, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today's chisme is actually about something that uh, recently-ish happened, and it is about uh, the Newbery Awards. And if you guys don't know what the Newbery Awards, they're usually awards given to children's books, uh, usually in outstanding uh, content, uh, media, and stuff like that. And it's it's a very prestigious award. Well, history was made at the 2020 Youth Media Awards in Philadelphia in that a graphic novel has won the John Newbery Medal for the first time in its nearly 100-year history. That's amazing. A hundred years, and they never before thought to give the award to a a graphic Graphic novel. novel. I mean, Raina Tegelmeyer got robbed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, actually, I mean... Uh, she ha- she has an Eisner. She has multiple Eisners. Yeah, yeah. But I, if anybody is well deserving of a Newbery Award in that category, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like not uh, not to dig on this graphic novel that won it because I think it is one hundred percent also worth it as well. Uh, the book in question that won it is the New Kid, um, by Jerry Craft, and it's um, um it's really really. It's kind of like a, it's a very touching story about basically a kid who comes uh, into a new town and he's uh, uh and he's new mm-hmm. and just the struggles of being somebody new and somebody different yeah. in a different place. So it's a it's a it's uh something that happens to all kids yeah. at some point in time of is the notion of change mm-hmm. uh, and it's very well deserved. Uh, and there's a long history of graphic novels and comics not being seen as literature. Right. And so this is just like a really big step of definitely uh, comic books and graphic novels and trade paperbacks as literature. Uh, I remember that was the whole uh, uh, Hugo Nebula Award fiasco that happened for, uh, uh, what was it? For Neil Gaiman winning that, right? For, oh, that's absolutely true. Yeah. I was just going to mention that, and it was uh, I don't remember. It's, I it wasn't they, the Hugo. I no. I think the Hugos specifically created a graphic novel section for their awards after that because there hadn't been one before, and people were up in arms about it. Like why? Why? Didn't graphic they take- novel is like. Like, uh, why are these cartoons winning our <laughs> awards? Yeah, pretty much. That was pretty much the argument. Didn't they take back their award when they found <gasps> out that it was a graphic novel? I can't remember, they, but I think that first was... of all, how are they giving an award to a book that they don't even know what the right, content that's is? That's what I thought too. I was like, what the hell? No, they didn't. I believe there was talk about it. I mm. think he still has it. Okay, but then uh, I believe they 
they first said that they were oh we're never gonna give it to a graphic novel ever again, mm. but then they created a sub uh, category. But for, for what it. book was it for? I believe it was Sandman. Sandman. Oh, it was Sandman. It was, okay, it was for Sandman. Got it. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that was that was like a really big deal. Yeah. Uh, back then, and then I believe uh, there's been a couple of other awards that have been given to some graphic novels. Well, um, Mouse freaking had, or was it Mouse or March? March oh, uh, yeah. won the freaking Nobel Peace Prize. Yes. I thought it was Mouse too. No. M mm. a u s. Am I getting it mixed up? Mouse or March? Only one of them did, but I can't <laughs> remember. They're both M names. <laughs> I, I think it could be it could be March, or I, I, as easily it could, it could be, be Mouse. mouse. <laughs> or it could be it could be Mouse. We just don't know. But, oh, I'm gonna look right now. <laughs> but congrats to them for winning something uh, that is seen as very uh, most Newbery Award winners then become uh, inter. Uh, incorporated into the canon. Oh, really? Of, uh, yeah, of like not just literature, but also like as being teaching mechanisms. Because oh. that's mostly what the Newbery Award is about. It's about what book it is that you can kind of use as curriculum. Oh, wow. As okay. well. Because it's, uh, it's, it's about content. It's about teaching moments and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's usually usually Newbery Award winners uh, later then get taught by teachers to their students. And so this, I hope for the best. And I do hope that it gets uh, used in uh, schools as a teaching mechanism because then you, come on. Comic yeah. books, like an actual comic book now being taught throughout all public schools. That is so that cool. That is great, and I wish them the best. Absolutely. That is super cool. Okay, so back to the the award for either Mouse or March. Um, I believe March also did win some awards, but Jen has confirmed that Mouse won the Pulitzer. So, um... That's all to say that graphic novels are out there getting it done. They are very valid forms of literature and um, definitely get out there and read both Mouse and March. They're amazing books. Yeah, I got Mouse uh, for my husband in Spanish. Okay, TMI, but I was reading Mouse on the toilet (laughs) and I literally was sobbing. Thank goodness I was sitting next to the toilet paper roll because I mean like heaving my shoulders heaving and sobbing Mm -hmm. while I was reading that story and for those of you that don't know Mouse it's M-A-U-S is the story um, told by a son who is um, basically retelling the stories that his father shared with him about his experiences during World War II and in um, concentration camps internment not internment concentration camps and like all of he's they're they're Jewish um, and all that he went through during World War II and the um, the Jewish people are portrayed as mice and the Germans are portrayed as cats and then mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other um People from other countries are portrayed as as other animals as well. But it is just so amazingly done. And like I said, I, it was it had me sobbing in the bathroom. <laughs> On the toilet. <laughs> All right, Kristen, what time is it today? Es la hora de la cervecita. All right, guys, and today we're drinking Cheers, Motherfuckers, oh. <laughs> number two. 
and it smells amazing. It, I have to admit, it's been it a while. It looks amazing. It's uh, this brew was canned, and it's a collaboration with uh, Beer Thug Life, who we had on Las Platicas number eleven, episode number eleven of Las Platicas, and Local Craft Brew, which is um, located in Tehachapi. We have had other local craft brew beers, including in Hayes We Trust. Ooh, that was the one that I offered fifty bucks for for a can if anyone could find it. <laughs> um, I think they, I think they re-released it, so I'll look oh, into that. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, this particular can I actually purchased at it, oh, three ten so liquor. Three ten oh. liquor is in Torrance. They're at two two five zero five. Crenshaw yeah, Boulevard. Yeah, I follow them on Facebook, and they have a lot of good stuff. Yeah, they have a lot of mm. great selection. Um, I usually get my beers, um, especially from the local craft brew um, collaborations. I get them at uh, the Torrance Beer Cellar, the Torrance Craft yes. Beer Cellar, but mm-hmm. they weren't going to carry this this time around. Uh, so I was really disappointed in that. What? Ooh. Write a letter. Boo. Boo. Is it because <clears throat> we're brown? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> que barbara, que barbara. Uh, this is an IPA Imperial Double New England. It's a collaboration with Beer Thug Life. Cheers, motherfuckers. It's an 8.5%. Is jam-packed with 2019 Galaxy Citra Strata Asaka and El Dorado, giving a danky aroma and smooth, creamy mouthfeel and fruity Ooh, flavor. Creamy mm. mouthfeel. That's what she <laughs> That's said. That's my jam. <laughs> that. And you, for those of you that don't know and that didn't listen to our Las Platicas episode 11, um, Cheers Motherfuckas is actually his shout out that he says when he does his, his chugs. Um, his chugs. Uh-huh. So yeah, so this actually, it's like his moniker. Right. So, um, oh, I like that. <laughs> yes. So, uh, cheers, motherfuckers. Ha- I'm sorry. Cha- hashtag cheers, motherfuckers is a national movement started by At Beer Thug Life, a Mexican American craft beer lover, creating unity through chugs. So, tag us, show us your chug, at hashtag cheer motherfuckers, and say it out loud. And that was chug c u g, not chub c u b. It says keep cold, keep cold, drink fresh, unfiltered. And super hoppy. Sediment is normal, so let it settle and leave it behind. Always pour it into a glass. Uh, cheers to Long uh, Local Craft Brew Brewmaster. So, girls, cheers, motherfuckers. This is so cheers. thick and just... Yes, unfiltered. It looks great. It smells amazing. And, That's what she said. And full, <laughs> full disclosure, I've taken a break from IPAs recently. So this is like the first IPA that I'm going to be drinking in a very long time. And it, plus it's a double. So let's see. Let's see if I make it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Ooh, that's really good. This is amazing. It's so good. It's super it, fresh. It does not taste like a double IPA. It's so good. It's very citrusy. Yes. And I kind of taste pineapple. I do at the at uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. one of the things I really liked about this beer is if you let it um, kind of get a little bit more room temperature, more different tastes come out. And this is really good. And, the, and one of the things from Cheers Motherfuckers, the first one, he said that he brewed it in in such a way that uh, it would be able to be chugged. 
Okay. So yes, yeah. Okay. This is this is very light actually for exactly. a double. Yeah. yeah. So I think he brewed it in such a way so that people can chug it. Yeah. So um, I I, mean, I, I don't dare do what's it. What's the ABV for this again? Um, it is a eight point five percent. Eight point five percent. So you chug like people really be chugging eight point five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you chug this and that's it. <laughs> Edgar he chugs up to like freaking 12 15 percent chugs oh them oh my god i know every time i see him do that i'm like oh my god i'm gonna die <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean it's so amazing i mean definitely a gift and this beer is definitely a mm. gift it's so delicious it's so it good is. and you're right it's so tasty every sip i taste more notes come out mm-hmm. it's super fruity um and i I have to say the pineapple is really getting me. Like it's so so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. I I'm loving this. Loving this really hard. Actually, I love this so much. I got a four pack, and this is the last one that I kept <laughs> for the podcast because I'm like I'm gonna drink it. So, so for those of you who might not remember what our beer rating scale is. We have a scale of one, two, three, four, five. One to five, with one being flaccid, two being initial, three being partial, four is full, five is full on rigid, but a six out of five, which we sometimes do have, is super saiyan. So, what say ye, ladies? Well, this is Jen, and I'm going to give it a rigid. I like this. And I I think you said it perfectly, Sarah. This is chuggable. If I had that whole can, I'd be like, <laughs> shotgun it. Yeah. Okay, so this is Kristen. And I, unlike Sarah, who is just weird, <laughs> like to eat when I drink. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah likes to just drink and enjoy her beer all by itself. Yes. But I am somebody who likes to enjoy my food and my beer together. And this... I feel like is because some IPAs are so overpowering with flavor of hoppiness and stuff that it kind of ruins your food and are heavy. Yeah. And are super heavy in your tummy, which is the main reason I've been taking a break from IPAs because um, no lie, I'm down for the easy buzz. But for the fullness and heaviness that IPAs give my tummy, I just I was like, I need a break. I couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So this is so light and uh, I mean granted I haven't drank a whole can of it but the glass I did have um, seems to be so flavorful and I think it would enhance all of my food so well I'm imagining myself eating a big juicy steak with it (laughs) Um, and I am giving it a super saiyan because that's how freaking good it is that's fair that is fair well this is Sarah, and I am going to agree with Kristen. This beer is so good. I like the fact that it's multifaceted, where I could drink some of it cold, and then I could leave a little bit to get room temperature, and it's still yummy as fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and I love the can art, because this time around, they put a back bra- black background. So you, the, Oh, I yeah. remember you mentioned Classy. that to them before. Yeah. So now, like, you can see the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in your face. Yeah. Um. So I really, really love this. I love the first time it was brewed. Cheers, motherfucker! The first one. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm just 
just as happy with number two. So I'm going to give it a Super Saiyan. What, you got to give me the details about where 310 is located. Because I follow them on Facebook, but I'm not <clears throat> very um, well, they're sure on, where they're at. They're on the southwest corner of Crenshaw and Sepulveda Boulevard. Oh, I know exactly where that yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. There's, uh, I think, a... Uh, there's a little kind of shopping center. It's off to the side. With, uh, oh. Right by the park. Um, yes. And there is a Starbucks in there and like a bakery and stuff. It's actually in the adjacent corner where there's a, there's a barber shop. There's a T-Mobile thing. Oh, it's on the there. other side. Yeah, Okay, exactly. got it. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, and they're really friendly there as well. And you can buy one can or you can buy four. And they have a great amount of different types of brews and even glassware. Oh, So nice. check them out okay. over at 310. I am actually going to give them a call and see if they have it, more of this because now i got to buy another four-pack <laughs> because I <laughs> promised people I would share uh, and now I drank it all. Well, Sarah and I are going to be racing to this location <laughs> after the podcast <laughs> to see who gets there first. Yep. So that was our beer rating, guys. That was one rigid and two Super Saiyans. All right, Kristen, Jen, what are we reviewing today? Well, first of all, Happy Black History Month. Exactly. Yes. yes. Uh, so, and uh, to reflect this, we have chosen to... Uh, highlight one of the first black female voices in cartoons and in comics uh, as well. And today we are focusing on Jackie Orms, also known by her maiden name. Um, Her maiden name? Zelda something. <laughs> Zelda Maven Jackson. Zelda Maven Jackson. Yes. Yeah. I wonder and why she changed it from Zelda to Jackie. Uh, well, Jackie was a uh, homage to Jackson, which is her maiden last oh, name. Oh, okay. And um, Olms is her married name. Right. I knew so, that. Yeah. Um, but she was the first African-American mm-hmm. uh, female cartoonist. Uh-huh. So, I mean, Syndicated yes, cartoonist. Yes, exactly. So, um, I mean, it's super amazing. Um, she actually started off in the 1930s. Yes, yes. she did. Uh-huh. She had... Um, four cartoon series that ran in African American newspapers from 1937 to 1956. So that um, that's a pretty long period Career. of time that I think really encompassed a lot of stuff that was happening in here in the United States and worldwide, really. But here in the United States with. Um, civil rights movement mm-hmm. and uh, a, the war going on, uh, multiple wars going on. And so um, what really struck me about Jackie's work is that she was a woman. Mm-hmm. She was a woman of color. She was black. And she had no qualms about really focusing and highlighting on social justice issues in her cartoons. Absolutely. And one of the cool things was um, during the time um the people would complain about like articles in the newspaper that were like a little bit too woke, um, <laughs> but people didn't didn't really even read the comic strips. Yeah, yeah, so that wasn't a benefit to her, so she could be a little bit more um, more free. With what exactly. Okay, well that makes sense because yeah. I was thinking like that took some balls yes. to do back in the day. Yeah, yeah, especially, especially when you're a woman and a woman of color. Yeah. 
And so uh, she mostly worked for um, uh, black-owned newspapers. Right. That's where she exclusively worked. And she had, I believe, four series in total. Mm -hmm. One of them uh, that was best known was uh, Torchy Brown uh, in Dixie to Harlem and... um, uh, uh, Torchy in heartbeats. Yeah, uh, and then she had Patty Joe and Ginger, which apparently was so big that a doll was actually made um, from the characters and was oh, yeah. highly marketed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the last one was called Candy, and mm-hmm. Candy actually was just a single panel uh, cartoon, kind of like in the vein of like Family Circus, but it dealt with the home front of World War II. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, she started off um, doing a lot of artwork and cartooning for her yearbook in high school. Yeah. And then she kept um, writing the Pittsburgh Courier um, about trying to get a job there. And they mm-hmm. finally gave her a job as a proofreader mm-hmm. at age 18. Wow. Yes. Wow. And not only that... Um, after that, she kept wanting to be more on the reporter side. And then she became a sports reporter for boxing. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. And that's actually struck her love of boxing, which she loved uh-huh. throughout her life as a sport. Wow. Yeah. She. I mean, she was a very well, she... highly intelligent woman. Her sister uh, was a singer. So they were really influenced in the art uh, side of um of life, mm-hmm. uh, even though their high school didn't offer any arts, they mm-hmm. actually excelled at it. Wow! Mm-hmm. There were times where she would take the soaps and carve out um, little statues, and uh, as form as part of her art. Which I thought was cool. That is yes, cool. That's amazing. Her, her mom complained of her using up all the all paper the in the house. Oh, <laughs> and all the paper. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like that she kind of had an affinity for breaking barriers mm-hmm. in industries that. Um, even to this day, are still male-dominated. Boxing, um, cartooning, and just um, just journalism in and of itself, really. Uh, so I I like that back then, um, in the early decades of, of when she was doing this, that she was out there really making a name for herself, mm-hmm. which is ironic because... I was telling Jen, how sad is it that I had never heard of her before? Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. I, and then for her to mm-hmm. be the first African-American woman who be cartoonist to be syndicated, and we didn't even know. Yeah. Well, yeah, we didn't even know. And uh, all this, we actually, the reason we chose this book is because we recently got in a book at the shop mm-hmm. that I remember ordering. And it is a biography about her. The title of the book is The First African-American Woman Cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And it's because most people, like when you uh, think about it, like in the like women uh, in a syndicated comic strip, there uh, you don't think of many, but the one name that does pop up a lot is yeah. And this was during the time that African Americans were represented in the comic book industry as like yep. kind of the mammies yep. uh, characters. Very stereotypical negatively. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Or in rags and eating mm-hmm. watermelon or chicken. And yep. that was actually something that was cited in the, um, it was in the instruction manual, uh, in the cartooning instruction manual, where they specifically said that African Americans would be represented in this, such a way that they just would say slap sticky stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, without strictly very minstrel. Yes. Yeah. It was just really how it kind of like the the Mexican lazy with his sombrero, sombrero and taking a nap on the corner. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Not only that, um, but 
here, here's to put into into perspective. Most people, when they think about uh, syndicated uh, comic strips, think of Brandon uh, Barbara Brandon Croft, who in 1991, 1991, she was doing uh, Jackie was doing her stuff in the 30s, right? Yeah. But in 1991, Barbara Brandon Croft became the first nationally syndicated black female cartoonist. So for something like the New York Times, mm-hmm, the LA mm-hmm. Times, mm-hmm. Washington Post, stuff like the more more uh, kind of international news. Mm-hmm. 1991, that's yeah. almost 60 years yeah, later. Exactly. And she was already doing this stuff. She was already putting out her works and stuff like that. Uh, but nobody knows because they usually think uh, Barbara. Mm-hmm. Uh but Jackie was the first, and when she was doing it, and she so in this time when most uh, black representation was very minstrel show, like which is where cartoons got most of their inspiration yeah, yeah. from, was from minstrel shows mm-hmm, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, um, she gave a voice not only to uh, the black middle class, but in specifically to black m- women. Yes, that wasn't yes. like the ma- the ma- the mammy uh, right character. Caricature, because right. that's what that caricature, is. Caricature, exactly. That is a yes, caricature. that's the the term it, that I was looking mm-hmm. for. And I, I like how you said the middle class, mm-hmm. because a lot of what the caricatures caricatures that are represented are lower lower class, yes. which is poor. Yeah, poor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I really love the way she kind of presented African American people and their way of life in a dignified format. In the realistic of, way. Exactly. I mean people yeah, exactly mm-hmm. how it is. And a lot of people, you know, didn't even think to even imagine uh African Americans or black Americans as even be having middle class or right. having mm-hmm. somebody yeah. that, you know, would dress in the new fashion mm-hmm. or, you know, it, and it in was the, a, in stylish clothes. Exactly. And yeah. Exactly. There's something that is said like online a lot in that anything that is that uh, kind of most when you the point of putting a black actress into a into a usual like what people call like corny romance novel mm-hmm. is more uh radical than having her be a loveless character in a like in a fight action movie scene because it is a changing of perspective yeah. that a black woman is uh can be capable of soft love that should deserves soft love and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what this is about in the fact that there is not just the lower uh the lower class or these caricatures of the black community in those days and she gave uh uh basically how a perspective of how life is Mm -hmm. and how the stuff like that torching and heartbeats was a romance comic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it was a romance comic that dignified Torchy that did not uh, like put her in uh, a in a view that kind of some of the other uh, romance comics at the time Mm -hmm. did to that were written by men right that were that were written by men put them as a lot of the women as petty and uh, like fighting for Mm -hmm. men and stuff like that have you ever seen okay first of all. Um, not gonna <laughs> lie, I love those covers. Oh, they're, I so, they're so ridiculous. They're so ridiculous and they're, cheesy, and yeah. yes, ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. the other, <laughs> yeah, they're mostly a, a guy and a and a woman in the background, and then another woman in the foreground who's like crying and saying something dumb, like, "Oh my God, is he gonna find out my my big secret and and not uh-huh. want to be with me?" And like her secret is that like she wears 
I don't know, holy chonies. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, and they're so, so ridiculous. And the fact that they were probably 100% written by men makes it even more ridiculous, but also <laughs> understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in the 1937, she uh, was writing Torchy Brown, and uh, Torchy Brown was an homage to her mom because that was her mom's maiden name. Mm. Um, and it was the Dixie to Harlem, and that was uh, it was a representation of the real lives of Black Americans. Uh, Torchy was a bold woman from uh, rural Mississippi who leaves home to pursue her dream to perform at the Harlem's uh, uh, Cotton Club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and it reflected on the Great Migration during that time. So mm-hmm. it was a reflection of real life yeah. um, happening um, mm-hmm. in a fictional, not a fictional, a, 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 a comic character. Mm-hmm. And I love when... Um, I love when gatekeepers like to say, keep politics out of my comics. <laughs> politics don't belong in my comics. Well, my dude, you have not been reading comics then because no. um, that yes. is exactly uh, where they belong because most comics try to mirror or incorporate what is going on in the world that they are being created in. Right. And one of the things that Jen found when she was also doing research that I found was super, like, interesting Uh and like really kind of cool especially given the environment and culture that it happened Mm -hmm. in is that um Jackie I would say Orms or Ormez you know what it's either or I I heard a lot of people say Ormez Uh which sounds awesome yeah Uh but I I, when I was reading it I wrote I read it Orms I did too yeah (laughs) well anyway given the fact that she was a black woman uh, in this era she um, had the the really the nerve uh, to Mm -hmm. um, to deal with the Emmett Till incident in her comic Mm -hmm. Um, and I I thought that was amazing because mm-hmm. you don't he you mostly hear about like the newspaper articles and stuff like that but uh, I'm pretty sure like even back then like people were avoiding telling it to their children but who mostly reads those mm-hmm. back on uh, political cartoons or just cartoons yeah 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 the comic strips it was mostly children yeah mm-hmm. uh, at the time so that it was putting it into perspective to somebody who would read it mm-hmm. and stuff like that because if you read it now. It's it's kind of like you you would absolutely miss it. Yes, you would. It's yeah. uh, it doesn't seem super radical, especially like after we see a bunch of stuff today mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. of now. But it was it is a small young black girl telling uh like her mother or just basically an older black woman. It's like I don't mean to cause alarm, but that new little white uh tea kettle just whistled at me. <laughs> and like when you put once you know the context, context around of it, yes, that, yes, you understand that this is in response mm-hmm. to what happened to, to Emmett Till, who was accused by a white woman of looking at her or whistling mm-hmm. at her, mm-hmm. and which led to an atrocity. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, but she was one of the only ones, uh, the, the only one cartoonist to do something or to say something yeah. about that. And that is speaks volumes. She was very, very 
socially active. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was um, a proponent of civil the rights. civil rights yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. She were she worked exclusively with that after she had finished with her no even during as she was uh doing her um, uh, comic strips as well but then later on uh she that's mostly what she was doing she was a uh, yeah because she developed rheumatoid arthritis which oh, her, the worst her, thing oh, for, yeah, a, a, for an artist artist to have happen mm-hmm. yeah but she persisted with her human yeah. uh, um a civil rights uh, protest yeah, she, and everything. She dealt with things like voting, mm-hmm. um, housing, uh, healthcare, um, race, civil rights type stuff. It was really amazing the things that she was able to deal with all within the context of just normal, everyday black families, black individuals living their lives because that was their reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not only that, especially in the time when most people, when they think about the 30s, the 40s, they think the Depression, but it's all, and they mostly think of it as white. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no, there was no recorded of what, what, what about black families or other families of color that right. were uh, affected by this at the same time? She cataloged it all. Yes. And it's yes. all that you can see, or it's mentioned in her comic strips. Mm-hmm. Events that we usually o- only perceive as white, mm-hmm. she was able or to. Or that are presented for us uh-huh. right right yeah, yeah that are presented for us they're mostly they're mostly white yeah. but then she was just all like no here's what's going on with us mm-hmm. right and to her it, it very much it was natural mm-hmm. it's what you do and i think that is amazing and now there we were talking about how we didn't know about her and now we do and that is partly due to last year she was inducted to the eisner hall of fame mm-hmm. uh because of her work. Yeah, I think, isn't it, 33 years after her death? Yes, she died yeah. in 1985. And in 2014, yeah. the National Association of Black Journalists inducted her into their Hall of Fame as well. Mm-hmm. Finally. <laughs> her second so, comic strip was uh, started in 1945 and it only ran for four months, and that was wow. Candy. And Candy uh, was a protest of low-paying jobs for um, domestic workers, um, black wow. domestic mm-hmm. workers. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was, that would be, I mean, I, I'm totally interested in maybe like a book of just her comic strips of like the whole collection. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the book that we have um, at the shop and that you can order from your local comic book store um, definitely has a lot of them in here. They've reprinted them. Um, well, they've copied them um, and, and some have reprinted and they are in here. Some of them are in color some of them are black and white um but there are a lot in here that gives you a little taste and um i think that what you're saying sarah is absolutely um the next step for this creator because being able to have a book where all of them are um, available for our catalog would be great and Um, maybe even a little synopsis of what was going on in the world during mm -hmm. the time of it being released um Patty, Joe, and Ginger was her third comic, and that ran from 1947 to 1956. That's the one that inspired the Patty, Joe doll. Doll, uh-huh. Um, that was unlike all the other dolls that were, uh, the black dolls that were selling during that time that were like the mammy, mammy kind yeah, of, caricature. yeah, caricature. And then she had the, the last one was Torchy and the Heartbeats from 1950, and that one ran for four years, and that's the one that was in full color. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, because... Um, that was more like 
showcasing like women and their struggle, especially yeah. like colored women and their mm-hmm. struggle. So that was really super interesting. And that one, I believe, had a, like a little cutout, um, you know, like those paper dolls that you can cut out. Oh, you yes. Cut out uh-huh. the different dresses mm-hmm. and dress them. I used to love those. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. And it was really cool because in essence, it was kind of a free toy for the yeah, girls to play yeah. with. And that is just another thing that she did as well. Or the boys. Or the boys. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was another thing that she did as well. And it's so unfortunate that rheumatoid arthritis kind of yeah. led her to retire. But she didn't quite retire because after that, she took a painting. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, if you are like San, San, Jen, Sarah, and I, and had never heard of Jackie Orms um, and her being one of the premier cart- black uh, woman cartoonists in the mid 20th century, or you had never heard of Barbara Cro- Croft. That was just in okay, uh, just in the nineties. You can actually um, do a search for "Salute to Pioneering Cartoonists of Color," which is a book that was published in 2016 by Tim Jackson, and he also has a website, and it is completely dedicated to cartoonists of color. That's awesome. Also, so awesome. Keep an eye open because there is a documentary TV series I heard being developed to honor the works. Uh, her works. So I can't wait. Yeah, that's uh, going to be coming soon, TM. <laughs> oh, nice. Did you guys know she actually has an FBI file? What? Yes. Well, that doesn't surprise me because, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> During that time, I yeah. mean, they were like witch hunting everybody who yeah. had something yeah. to say against the government. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, she spoke out against McCarthyism. So mm-hmm. that's a, that was an immediate blacklist in the in Hollywood at the time and and in most creative offices I mean but when you're a black woman cartoonist I mean yep. you're all you go to the top of the list <laughs> <laughs> you go to the top of the list but also what are they gonna do I mean the the mainstream media already isn't gonna publish you yeah. so you're just all like oh well <laughs> like, come get me fool <laughs> I mean you can't do anything <laughs> but yes guys I Really, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, you can go on YouTube and uh, type in ja- uh, Jackie Orma- or Ormez or Moss or I- Orms. 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 I don't know. We don't know. O R M E S. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. And you can find out a lot of little tidbits about her mm-hmm. life. Um, and there was a short film, I believe, uh, in black and white where you could actually see her drawing a oh, panel. Oh, nice. Yes, and it's I a YouTube that, video. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I thought that was super cool. I don't know where I can find the whole film, but um, but yeah, definitely it is worth the search, guys. We highly recommend it, and we highly recommend this book. What goes in great detail, even as far as talking about her parents and what kind of environment mm-hmm. she grew up mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And it was written by um, Nancy Orst. Goldstein. Um, so uh, again, uh, supporting women uh, writers and creators. So mm-hmm. definitely check it out. Um, do some research. Uh, go to YouTube. Go to Google and find out more about Jackie uh, Orms. And we didn't really review the book per se, but I am giving the whole panaderia to the fact that she was out there really working it and doing mm-hmm. um, doing cartoons and was really on the forefront of getting this art I- into our culture. 
Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that because I also give it the whole panaderia and a cup of champurrado. And this is because she was really paid really low compared mm-hmm. to her male counterparts. Mm-hmm. But she didn't care because it was for her. It's about getting her art out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for her, it was about her art. And she said that she didn't have to worry about the pay because her husband was always a good provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, he always had really great jobs. And so... The fact that she took a pay cut but released this really valuable information to represent the African Americans with such dignity and such a wonderful um, comic book format, I give it la, the whole panaderia and a cup of champurrado. So it is a biography book. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like we should. It's 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 um, um it's very much a kind of almost textbook yes ish yeah uh, book. Right. The thing is that to, what me made to me made it really really great is that it's something that I didn't know yes. and so every page of it was interesting and mm-hmm. had information I will give it the whole panaderia because of the content that it's about because of everything that we learned the fact that we have learned something right. that she was the first uh, African American uh, syndicated cartoonist uh, maybe not mainstream but she was syndicated Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's like that's pretty big and um the text for it can be a, a little dry yeah. at times. Definitely but, textbookish. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's very much an academic piece of work. Yeah. So if you don't mind yeah. doing a bit of research, if you don't mind uh, reading a bit more just so you can educate yourself, I it is 100% worth Yeah, it. even Eddie, who is the one person in my life that knows everything there is to know about <laughs> comics as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned, had never heard of her before and was like super interested when I told him what we were going to be mm-hmm. uh, doing for the podcast. He's like, oh my gosh, bring that book back because I really <laughs> want to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and the thing is, is that there are tons of, I don't know about tons, but there are other women who were out there working behind the scenes mm-hmm. and didn't get accolades the way that their male counterparts did. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really glad that we are learning about Jackie who was mm-hmm. definitely one of those so if you find yourself in Pennsylvania I think they have a statue oh, in wow. commemoration of her really wow. yeah weren't you but just there I was and I'm <laughs> kicking myself for it I, mean, I think it's in Pittsburgh though oh, okay. so, yeah. I think, and it's because again the same thing we didn't know exactly. I didn't know until the book came in and I didn't even remember ordering it yeah only once I saw it I was just like I, re- I realized because I usually order a lot of the academic stuff mm-hmm. for Eddie or Eddie yeah. orders it yeah. and I saw that he didn't order this and it looked interesting so mm-hmm. I ordered it and it was just kind of a spur of the moment thing but this is definitely something that I think uh, if not uh, most comic books should carry it's at least something that should be looked into absolutely mm-hmm. alright guys it's time for On My Radar and today On My Radar this is Sarah is Monkey Monsters Cosplay what? have started a new <laughs> podcast. It's their very first episode is out and the podcast is called This Knee Plus Podcast. And it's a play on words. It's yes, this, it is. T-H-I-S, knee as in rodilla, K-N-E-E plus podcast. And it's a podcast that is... um It's totally devoted to the love of Disney for the movies, the park, the history, and more. It's currently available on Spotify and Podbean. Um, iTunes should be uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, Disney Podcast is a show with four hosts talking about what's on Disney+. Plus. Each week, they'll review something that's only on Disney+, Plus and review and discuss movies and shows. 
So if you are thinking to yourself, who's monster, 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 <laughs> monkey, monster cosplay? Okay, that's a tongue twister. Yes, they are the amazing cosplayers who brought to you um, the. Um, what is it? Leia Loca, Princess, Princess Loca, and Han Cholo. Yes, yes. and Arturito. Arturito. Yeah, Arturito. there was even a, a Chewy. Yes, um, and then there was um, uh, what's it called an emo um, Ren. Ren, Kylo Ren. Kylo yes. Ren. Uh huh. I mean, but uh, yeah, they were the first to cosplay that kind mm-hmm. of like a cross between yes. Star Wars and Latinx culture. Yeah, well, actually, just pop culture and exactly. and Latinx mm-hmm. um, because they've also done Snoopy. Yes, um, and I feel Invader like, Zim. Yeah, they've done Invader Zim, uh-huh. um, and they're just uh, Julia, who is the um, uh, Princess Loca of the family, <laughs> is um, amazingly um, creative. Creative, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. amazingly creative with her um, with her cosplays, mm-hmm. and she makes them all by hand, and it's just so awesome. So, yes. yeah, definitely um, give this podcast support because I think it's actually very uh, a cool thing to do. I am all about yes um, mm-hmm. watching all of the Disney Plus content, and mm-hmm. there is so much of it. I was like, oh my god, all these older. Um, yeah. Series that I used to watch way back in the day on ABC Family. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I so, I loved all those like cheesy. Yeah, series. And I'm actually really interested in seeing that new show with um, uh, Gina Rodriguez and uh, I think it's first daughter or the Diary of, of American President, where they oh. actually it, it, she's and she's the president of the United States. But she, Gina what, Rodriguez is. Uh, yes. Oh, and interesting. Then, um, but well, I think I, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. Uh, but okay. Uh, the actual show is about like her diary, where she rereads her diary, and so you see her as a young kid. Oh. So that that looks really interesting. That's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. um, but tainted by all the backlash that she gets all the time. <laughs> I like her. I like her. I, she she stopped- says the n word. If she stopped acting like a damn fool, I could probably like her. But as of right now, she's oh, on my... that one... Um, okay, Hulu, Netflix, I can't remember. It's kind of like a girl's... Um, she has a boyfriend who breaks up with her and then she's completely just devastated. And so her friends take her to go out for like yes. a night. Cause she, yes. Uh, and then she decides... Oh, she, no, she's deciding to move away to San Francisco. I don't remember. But anyway, that was the first time I ever heard Lizzo because... <laughs> She actually was singing it in the kitchen, yeah. and it was so catchy that I went back and looked her up and started listening to her from that movie. movie yeah. But the movie I loved, a hundred percent loved. <laughs> I so, forgot what it's called, but yes, I know I, which yeah, one you're I can't talking remember about. Either, mm-hmm. yeah, she has a T-shirt that was designed by a Latinx creator, which is like those those. Um, those plastic bags you get like at the store that says thank you and then it has oh like, yes yes I but remember it says Latina mm-hmm. as fuck I think I don't know but it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of like a the design is a play on that and she wears it mm-hmm. in the movie which I remember because I think I saw the hmm. t-shirt at Morcajete Dominguero oh, oh yeah 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 so I'm looking it up right now it's called Someone Great <laughs> yeah that's the one and it came out on one of the streaming um the, uh, one of the streaming uh, channels and it's Netflix so uh, and it's kind of like a it's kind of like um, 
a all-female, what is that show, where, or that show, that movie where they all go to Vegas for a bachelor party and the guy gets stuck on the roof? Oh, Bridesmaids? Uh, no, um, no. No, the one that Bridesmaids was made Maid. after. Oh. <clears throat> Hangover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of oh, okay. like a female hangover <laughs> <laughs> with some like broken heart um, relationship stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So I, I highly recommend it and I really liked it a lot. But um, I even forgot why we were talking about Gina Rodriguez. Oh, D- <laughs> Disney Plus. Yeah. So yeah, there's tons of new content that's coming out. Okay. Actually, the show is called Diary of a Future President. Okay. Yeah. okay. Nice. Yeah. I like that. And now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Okay, so today on Juntos y Fuertes, I have for you something called the Libro Mobile. So, what is a Libro Mobile, you may be asking? Um, it is um, a literary project in collaboration with Red Salmon Arts, initiated by a local uh, author in Santa Ana, Southern California, Sarah Rafael Garcia. And it integrates literature, visual exhibits, and year round creative workshops and live readings. The Libro Mobile is not only mobile, but also builds community and promotes literacy. It resides on Calle Cuatro, off 4th and Spurgeon in Santa Ana in the back alley area. And it travels throughout Santa Ana, visiting a variety of communities, including Grand Central Art Center, Alta Baja Market, and special events throughout Southern California. The design of the Libro Mobile is nostalgic of the iconic paletero carts or fruit vendors that are part of downtown Santa really? Ana. It's yes. shaped like a... Yes. Oh, nice. So to hear or see a paletero or frutero cart um, builds in cultural interest from locals and visitors, and so that brings them to the. And they're like, "What? No fruit? Just books?" <laughs> but when the locals see it, they know that it's something authentic and something familiar being offered to them. Oh, so cool. I actually think that's an amazing like uh, way to get people to feel comfortable to come and approach it, and then to put a book into somebody's hands. So. Um, yeah. Um, is there a way you can donate books to the Libro Mobile? So um, they have um, a website literally called Libro Mobile, L I B R O M O B I L E dot com. Um, and let's see. Um, I'm assuming that they do. I'm going to look through the website right now, but um, they actually probably need books because every Friday they have something called um, Free Book Friday. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is stop by to pick up a book off of the shelf and um, they have free books for children and teens. So, so so yeah, so it says um, Libro Mobile Project offers affordable books by writers of color, bilingual and Spanish books for children, youth and adults, as well as books that speak to culture and socio-justice issues relevant to the local community. Uh, Stocked items, which started with about 60 titles, now include approximately 3,000 books, ranging from handmade zines to popular titles to small press bilingual publications, a community board to post local resources, and a traveling little free library that serves as a book exchange. So when someone wants to borrow a book instead of purchasing their own copy, they can provide a book for someone else to read for free. So... um, 
They're also the founder has established uh, Barrio Writers and has expanded a creative writing workshop um, for the local community. So there's tons of stuff going on with this Libro Mobile. And it says here for questions or to donate books or if you're interested in displaying or selling your publications to the Libro Mobile, oh, wow. just, ebro, ebro, just email <laughs> Libro Mobile, L I B R O M o-b-i-l-e at gmail.com and then if you want more information on the creator of um, Libro Mobile Sarah Rafael Garcia you can visit her at Sarah S-A-R-A-H Rafael R-A-F-A-E-L Garcia G-A-R-C-I-A dot com nice that is such amazing stuff guys that brings us to the end of this episode episode 67 and this is Sarah and I'd like to take a moment uh, there was a uh, a moment um, where here in January late January uh, we lost Kobe Bryant and his daughter and other passengers in a helicopter accident and a lot of people are Kobe fans yeah and they mm-hmm. grew up watching Kobe mm-hmm. and all those wonderful games and um, I know uh, there was a bit some bit some backlash on some stuff that had happened with Kobe but I think overall he was uh, an exceptional human being and inspired a lot of people and did you guys know he spoke Spanish because he did I didn't yeah Yeah. he had a very strong Latino fan base so I'm not surprised that he did know so um, yeah I like to take a moment to uh, acknowledge that he had a wonderful life and I feel that uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, so take a moment to tell the people around you how much you care about them. I love you, girls. I love you guys, too. <laughs> Same. Um, but, yeah, so that has been our episode. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Where can they find us, girls? So you can find us on Instagram at Comadresy Comics and also on Facebook at Facebook backslash Comic Comadres. And you can find us on Twitter where you can DM us as well at Comic Comadres. And you, we have a Snapchat where we're going to be snapping a lot of the events coming up in the future. And you can email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.